Hello and welcome everyone to episode 10 of the VGC Trainer School podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. Welcome everyone. I am Jake and I am joined today by Will and Tony. Thank you so much for both coming back on. Uh, so Will, what's going on? It's been a while. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been a while. I'm doing good. Um, I think last time I talked about how I was going to try grinding the ladder and get to Master Ball for the end of uh, Season 2. I successfully did that and dragged that stupid dog, Doxman, all the way up to Master Ball. So that was fun. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that. And then that was like right at the end of the month. So I figured I'd kind of hold off on doing any Season uh, Series 2 stuff until after the Orlando Originals because the metagame was going to look completely different. And I'm glad I did that because the metagame looked completely different. So now I'm going to try and throw together a team for Series 2 and then hit the ladder again. Very cool. Very cool. And congrats on bringing Doxmund all the way there. That's such a funny little Pokemon. So that's uh, it's pretty neat. You would bring it there. Yeah, a lot of people were not ready for it, even though it only does one thing. A lot of people do not know <laughs> what that one thing is. Yep. And if you want to burn it, you want to hit it with a fire move, I guess. And then it's just, nope, body pressing to death. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people hit it with a fire move after I already hit it with my own fire move. It was, like, really surprising. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, you're doing something else while you're battling. You're just, like, watching TV or whatever. And you're like, ah, oh, just click buttons. But awesome. Thank you again for coming back on. And uh, Tony, returning to pay the piper for some of these some of these bets you made last week on the over under besides that how you doing though i just want to say i'm pretty sure i called out screamtail making it i, I don't remember i gotta go back and listen but i think i called screamtail um, yeah i also I did, did i want to bring that up too i think yeah. the last time i was on here i said i want to use screamtail in series two and here we are yeah screamtail wins what yeah um spoiler well kudos yeah. to both of you i'm just gonna agree i'm not gonna go back and listen i'll be honest it's your podcast you have to listen <laughs> as long as you download <laughs> exactly download give it five stars but you don't have to listen. it's fine give it 10 if you could <laughs> yeah other than that though you know i've just been trying to team build for season two and then like theorize season three for no reason you know okay, okay. fun stuff well that sounds like fun that's a, it's a fun exercise do you think that they're going to jump right into uh letting in the the dark four like the four legendaries it's it's either going to be it depends i guess like how long C series two is going to last because what i think it's like two months right yeah. yeah i think it was to the end of uh march 31st yeah so i mean home might be in by then i think right so i mean if home's in then you got the legends of Arceus. so ursuline is going to be everywhere uh Heeswin Lilligant is going to be everywhere. I, I think they'll make it in before the quartet. So, and, you know, let's see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Ursula and Giraffe Supremacy. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, this should be should be interesting uh, to see what kind of new updates we get from Pokemon around then. Uh, but cool. That sounds like fun. For me, you know, of course, watching Orlando Regionals was a lot of fun. You know, whether we were in the chat talking about things as they were happening or watching some of the replays as I was out, you know, doing errands and whatnot. Uh, one thing that I did do that was kind of like a blast from the past is a friend of mine and I, we had some best of threes. Uh, they've been working on setting up a, a team for series two. And 
we played, you know, best of three, like I said, but it was closed team sheet. I offered, I was like, do you want to, do you want to know what I'm, what my team is? And he's like, no, I think that's okay. I'm just gonna, let's just, let's just battle. Cause this is somebody that I've known for years and we've always done best of threes that were completely closed team sheet. Cause we didn't know any different. Right. And it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to sort of just be transported back to that time of like basically playing a, a best of three with a ladder opponent or you figure out what it is over time, but you still don't really know. And I got to say, as fun as it was to catch up with them and like talk on the phone while we were battling, I like open team sheet a lot. I really do. I, I was against it at the beginning, but as many have said, I've definitely come around on it. Like I definitely, I cheesed them game one, turn one. They faked out into my Terra ghost iron bundle and I hydro pumped their Volcarona. It was fun. It was fun. But other than that, let's get into it because we have quite a bit to cover uh, since we are going to be talking about Orlando Regionals, the episode this week is coming out a little bit later than normal because we did want to have some time for Orlando to conclude and some information, stories, stats to come out so we can really talk about it intelligently. Uh, so we do have some news to get into first, some very exciting news that is actually late breaking right before the episode got recorded and then we're going to jump into our orlando review talk about some storylines there talk about the over-unders that we made those predictions last week and how they played out and then end with a little segment on how to beat paris trap which if you already know why you know it's probably because it's going to be everywhere for the next couple of weeks so first Let's get into the news. So, Tony, do you want to take this first one? I will gladly take this first one. So, for all you happy polka couples out there, this, the next event for Terra Raid Battles are going to be a Tandem Mouse, and it's starting, you know, it's, it's midnight on the 13th, and then it's going to go all the way until the end of February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, so if you're not out having romantic dinners you can definitely have romantic raids and catch the cute little mouse that stole everyone's heart let's see the the tandem mouse will be one of the five star raids with various stereotypes offering rewards including strawberries and whipped cream uh fairy terra is the screenshot used but you can find every single terra so it could be normal ghost grass you know everything you that you're looking for and uh this could be a great way to get the hidden ability for tandem mouse that sounds like fun a romantic raid that's it's a romantic raid i mean you know i'm here for it i know it's going to be a romantic voyage we're just <laughs> gonna <laughs> that should be fun and you know yeah like you said there's a bunch of different options to get some of those good terrors out there so i'll take this next one because before i got into vgc much more focused um over the last you know few months i was actually really into the tcg the trading card game for a bit so I realize that this is a VGC focused podcast. I'm not going to go into a, you know, a TCG hole or anything, but there was something very important that did come out. It was confirmed that Pokemon TCG online or PTCGO, uh, the last expansion for the online client is going to be Crown Zenith, uh, which is the, the, the current one. And then all products launched after March 1st, will not be supported, which ultimately means that after years and years, I believe over a decade, PTCGO is finally going to be sunset and move into TCG Live, which is the next client. 
Uh, many members of the TCG scene are not happy about this shift because Pokemon TCG Live is currently very buggy. Uh, it doesn't look great. It's really not a good overall experience. So hopefully it gets fixed and they're able to continue you know, playing it and enjoying it. If you're interested more in this discourse, I highly suggest going to check out Twitter. Um, you're probably going to get you know, a wide variety of emotions and opinions there, but uh, just something to call out. Talking about TCG and uh, how that affects VGC, do you want to take this last one, Will? Sure, man. Your transitions are so good. What a premier podcast host we have here. Um, so this news dropped right before we started recording. Very fortunate. Um, VGC has announced that they will follow the same two-day tournament structure as TCG for regional events. This is in effect immediately. So for the upcoming Knoxville and Bochum events later this month, this will happen. Basically, what this means is that now there'll be a day two Swiss as opposed to what happened in Orlando and all previous tournaments where Swiss was only day one and it would go straight to single elimination. This is caused by the fact that in a sign of growing popularity of VGC, these tournaments have been very, very well attended, more than the Pokemon company seems to have expected them to be. And we've had some not great experiences recently. I think I heard that Orlando would have had 10 rounds, I believe, of Swiss and they ended at like 11.30 p.m. on Saturday, and then they had to be ready for Top Cut at 7.45 a.m. So anyone within Top Cut had to choose between sleep and prep and couldn't really do both. This hopefully helps out with that. So the way it'll work is that there'll be nine rounds of Swiss in day one. Then day two will have another five or six rounds, depending on how many people there are. And then after that, there'll be the normal three single elimination round bracket. This also helps because a lot of people had good records in they won a Swiss and were not cutting because of just resistance and people had to bubble out. So you had some teams that would have two losses and wouldn't make it to the second day, which is a real bummer. Now with the new structure, that won't happen. All those people would get to play the second round of Swiss in day two and get a little more VGC uh, for their money. So overall, this change has been very well received so far. I think people that went through that slog of 10 matches in Swiss uh, round one in Orlando were definitely happy that they won't have to do it again. Absolutely. I mean, that just sounds like you're, by the end of it, probably half the player that you were at the beginning. I was watching uh, Salted Dolphin earlier today, and he was actually talking about a mistake that he made in his final round where he misread Flamethrower on Arcanine and just assumed that it was Flare Blitz. They were able to like basically get two Intimidates off on an Arcanine, and they were just like, yeah, I can just bulk up with my Corviknight right in the face of this Arcanine because it's not going to be able to do anything. And then it gets crit one shot by Flamethrower. So I can imagine that for some of these top players and even for some people that are going for their first event, you're really going through it at that point. Is that what you experienced, Tony? Oh, man. Like, so the, by the, my last game, I, I shit you not, I was playing uh, Armadidi and... Uh, I think I, I hit Armor Rouge with a like a, a raging bull from Fire Tauros. And I was just like, why did I do that? And then I think I did it again. Or I hit it with a Willow Wisp <laughs> after. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna wisp it. And then, but my opponent would he would try to I I think it was extreme speed. It was something where it was like, oh, you can't do that. And then he did it too. He's like, Oh yeah, I forgot I couldn't do that. And I was like, I don't even care who wins anymore. <laughs> I just want to go. No, this is solid though. Like it, it also feels like you get a bang for your butt. Cause if you lose day one, half the time 
realistically. I told myself I was going to go to day two, but I didn't because I didn't want to. I, I mean, I lost. I was like, why would I want to go back now? I could go. Well, for me, it was I could go home. But like, if you're coming from out of town, then it's like, oh, I could just go visit the city. Maybe if it's mm-hmm. a cool city. Yeah, I also could do a little bit more margin for error too. There are like so many stories of people that were like, I, you can lose one game and then two, you might not make top cut. And now it's a little bit more forgiving. Makes it a little less stressful. Definitely, I like the 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 importance of it that it's uh whichever number is greater gets into day two as opposed to whichever one's smaller. You know, because I guess it would always be top thirty two. But this way, like, you know, you only if you really only need nineteen points. I mean, if, and you get three points for a win, so it's like you can get to six and two, and then intentional draw or ID your last match depending on where the bubble would be and if you're able to make top cut and you can just sort of say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take this last point. I'm going to get to 19 and just sort of save the mental strain and just be happy to go into day two with a 6-2-1 record. And also like big picture, it's great that more people are going to these things. The game growing is good for everybody. So that's always nice to see. It's good that we have so many people that we forced to change in the format. Definitely. And also too, that, that the effect is going or that the change is going into effect immediately. It's not like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we've made the announcement that, you know, for play Pokemon 2024, we will be moving into the TCG format for two day regionals or, you know, starting in June or whatever. It's they took that feedback and they're doing it immediately, which is great. Yeah, I think there was like a pretty big grassroots campaign from a lot of the. Uh, top competitive players to really try and put some pressure on them. And I saw some people were like submitting support tickets to them to try and get them to change this. So it worked. It's great. Definitely. And then that's the other thing too, is like once this got announced and posted on Twitter, um, I'm in a couple other discords for just for various things from being in like in tournaments and whatnot. There were like three or four notifications that popped up almost immediately of we got it. It's finally happening. Like people were so excited. And then just like the response was immediately overwhelmingly positive, which I don't know if you've ever watched a Pokemon you know, trailer or seen a tweet that they've done. Usually it's not even 50 50 on positivity. It's a lot of people being just upset about something, but this change was overwhelmingly well-received. Yeah, for sure. Even when they like announce a new series or a set of rules or something, there's always like some people in favor, some against it, some ambivalent. This one is just unanimous approval. Everyone's yeah. thrilled. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I'm very excited to see how this is going to play out. And, you know, we only have what a little over two weeks to wait, maybe three until we see exactly how it plays out. And that's going to be a lot of fun for sure. So. Let's move into the topic at hand. Let's talk about Orlando, the happiest place on earth. Orlando was a lot of fun. It was very cool. You know, Series 2 is the first showcase for the Paradox Pokemon, and they really came out in force. We don't have the full statistics breakdown on what they were, but they were often showing the top 12 Pokemon on the screen, and overwhelmingly was like, Iron Hands, Iron Bundle, Fluttermane, they were oh, they were all in the, in the top. Of course, Moongus and Arcanine were up there as well. And it was it was a lot of fun to watch. The the stream quality I thought was really good. I thought the comment the commentators were were also were also very good. So let's start with the the top 32 
we do have the top 32 and the top 16 teams. For the top 32, we're just going to sort of, you know, pick out some of the interesting things that we're looking at, and then we will get more focused and more detailed as we go down. So right off the bat in the top 32, I am surprised by the fact that there was only one Pelipper in the top cut. Uh, that to me was was very surprising considering how well it performed in San Diego. I realize it's a different series, but there was more Palafin in the top 32 than there were Pelipper, which typically they go hand in hand. Uh, but it seems that that was not the case here. Yeah, I was also surprised by that. I mean, there were more Tyranitars than Pelippers. There were no Torkoals in the top 32, I think. And like of the three, I feel like I'd expect Sand to be the least popular weather. Um, like you said, Rain was just super successful with Palafin. So I didn't really think that was going anywhere. Torkoal seemed like it would maybe be more popular with the Paradox Mons because of the sudden boosting abilities. And it was just nowhere to be seen. I was really surprised that if there was a dominant weather, which I don't, it didn't seem to be a very weather centric meta, it was sand, if anything. I will say, I, I do notice, and I kind of like it, I kind of don't. Gothitelle is basically the new Tauros for this regionals, right? Like, if you look at the top 32, there's so many Gothitelle. So many. Way more than I would have guessed. If we would have bet on this, I would have lost, for sure. Yeah, the, the sand thing is kind of cool. Like, seeing all, it, it's like, there's one team, and I want to point this out before any of you do. There's one team that made it with sand and it had Lycanroc, whatever. That's not the part that I care about, though. It had a drift blim on it, and it made me laugh. It made me smile. There's a drift blim on the sand team. Yeah, that was a really cool team. Uh, I don't know if you looked at that drift blim's actual set. It was not what I would expect. That thing was running Hyper Beam and Acrobatics. That was must have been a shock to anybody looking at the open team sheet for that thing. I think too, it's it's kind of interesting to see some of these, like where it's, you know, the individual Pokemon that get represented here. Another one for me, I mean, I'm seeing what, two, two Garganackle? And someone just double checked that. It looks like only two Garganackle in the top 32, which again, after its rise to fame and for some people, I guess, infamy in series one with San Diego being on the victorious team. Only two in the top 32 is, is rather surprising. And it's not like it fell off. It's still a very, very strong Pokemon, whether it's Ghost Terra or Poison or even just Rock type on its own. Um, but only see only see two of them, I think, is a, a little a little surprising to me. Is that two Garganackle or is that a Stomjourner? Well, there's two Garganackle there's and two, then there's yeah. one Stomjourner, yeah. I'm like looking for the second one. This is like, where's Waldo? They're all the way at the bottom. They're yeah. uh, Kevin Salvetto, 31st and 32nd team. And Brady Smith both have them. Yeah. A similar one is Meowscarada. There's also only two Meowscaradas after that thing was so popular in Series 1. Interesting. Yeah. Which is weird, too, cause, right? Because it's like, I mean, 123 speed is faster than Roaring Moon, assuming there's no booster energy, which I guess that's a terrible assumption to make because it always runs booster energy. But it's going to be, you know, I guess it's slower than Fluttermane. It's slower than Iron Bundle. Honestly, it gets wasted by both of those two. So it's yeah, probably, it's probably not. Yeah. Unless like, I guess if you, you have like, Iron Bundle, it just loses, right? You do Icy Wind, Break Sash, and something else just finishes it off. Yeah. I guess your best bet would be like Choice Band Sucker Punch or something. But at that Choice point, it's just King Gambit's doing it better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Good point. Because you have that natural bolt. 
There is no King Gambit. I don't. I don't see one. I see this one is, there yeah, on, on, on Amelia Forest. I mean the the oh, ten and O goat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, this is like, where's Waldo? One, two, three, I think three King Gambits in the top 32, I see. Which is cool, because I think that's just such a such an awesome Pokemon. They Like, from design to ability to signature move, stat distribution. So that's that's neat to see it see it there. I did count up some of the Paradox Mons. Fluttermane. I know that going in, weren't there, like, wasn't there, like, kind of this, this swell that was growing of people being, like, Fluttermane's good, but it's not as good because it's not with Chi Yu. And people are sort of starting to say that it was overrated. Was I was I imagining that or was that actually happening? No, I think that was happening. I the impression I was getting was like pre-series one, a lot of people were like, oh, Fluttermane's gonna just dominate this meta, nothing's gonna stop it. And then after series one, as we were getting ready for series two, it was a lot of, yeah, it'll still be good, but not as good as we thought. It's not gonna be the the force that we really were afraid it was but yeah this it was everywhere like you said especially mm-hmm. in top 32 like iron hands i think outnumbered it overall but in top 32 it wasn't close yeah iron hands was on 50 percent of teams in the entire tournament but in top 32 Fluttermane was on 20 iron hands was on 15 and iron bundle was on 12 of those so you know 20 out of 32 is quite an impressive showing but yeah so i think that i think the top 32 is cool I don't think there's anything else really in there that stands out to me because I did want to talk because we already mentioned the Stone Journer and that all that got all the way up to top 16 to number 11. The team itself was Iron Hands, Brute Bonnet, Armor Rouge, NDB, Fluttermane, and Stone Journer, which that just seems like a fun team to run. Like, yeah, like it's Trick Room option and then what is it? Power Construct or something? What's what's Power Spot? Power, power Spot. spot. Yeah. Yeah. I've never used a stone journey, so I literally know it. No idea what. what Yeah, me neither. I'm surprised I know that at all. (laughs) It's it's so derpy. It has like no face. It was just like let's put some rocks together and just put a smiley face on it, and then you get a stone journey for some fucking reason. But if they're gonna make a Pokemon out of a statue or like a you know a rock sculpture, I'm glad that it was Stone Edge. Like, I'm not going to go into this, you know, super alien tangent or whatever, but, like, Stonehenge is super cool. I'm a big fan. Yeah, that's true. That's a, And then it works well for Galar, so it makes sense. Not my favorite Pokemon now, but it was a, it was the right Pokemon for the time, you know? Agreed. Agreed. I mean, uh, we, we could get into, like, conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps later. We'll do that in our, uh, you know, our, our late night episode. I have to do one more shout out just because I, I don't see it on any other team. I want to give a shout out to Alan Martinez for having a Sableye. Yes. Yes. Sableye, very cool. Yeah. With uh, we're getting screens this generation, I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, Ghost, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I, I think they all get it now. Like every prankster gets it. And then I think they get, I know Klefki and Sableye both get Trick Room, which is weird. And Spiritome also. I, I feel like that just was that should have happened already, but it didn't. But now it has. So I don't think Murkrow gets screens, does it? No, but it gets like feather dance and snarl. Yeah, yeah. It gets it gets plenty. Yeah, it gets it gets enough. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, looking at the top, uh, look at the top sixteen. We have a lot of Iron Hands again. It was all over all over these teams for sure. 
but not in not very much in the top eight. Surprisingly, only two of the top eight teams had iron hands. Beyond that, I mean, Fluttermane was, again, very well represented. But I think the thing that really stands out to me there in the top half of that top 16 is Don Dozo is still a very strong Pokemon. Yeah, it is not going away. Nope. Certainly not. Don Dozo is disgusting. (laughs) With big iron hands staring it down, still finding a way to succeed. Right, and that's and that's what's interesting too. On all of these Dondozo teams, they have an electric fighting type. Three of them being Iron Hands, and then Chuppa Cross, of course, with the with the Palmon. I think we we talked about it on the last episode. I mean, Dondozo was a was a you know fearsome fearsome uh, force in Series One, and there was the thought that maybe it might fall off a little bit as the Paradox Manga introduced, but it's like. Paradox Mon just make it better, honestly. It just they gives it more support with Brute Bonnet or Iron Hands. Um, even Roaring Moon is working well just to redirect away or just give you some additional offense if you don't bring that duo. Yeah, and I just like looked at a lot of the movesets of the ones in the top eight, and I think all except one of them had Earthquake, and ground coverage is just so good right now with a lot of the mods that are running around, especially Iron Hands. Being able to just take that thing is good. And to that point, I think uh, we meant we mentioned earlier that Garganackle wasn't around as much, and that's sort of the that became, I guess, the premier wide guard user. So that becomes kind of a bit of a medical, where if you're not expecting to see much Garganackle, then you feel much more free to run Earthquake or Dazzling Gleam or Icy Wind. I realize that Armor Rouge gets it, but. You know, maybe you're just betting that that's not going to be using it as much when it has a plethora of other moves that it would rather use and just set Trick Room with Follow Me NDD as opposed to have to worry about, you know, wide guard on that. Armadidi is still a menace. I, I, I don't care if it didn't win. It's still a menace. Yeah, it's on five of the top 16 teams, all of them being in the, the bottom half of the of the top 16, but it's still performing extremely well. It is still a force in any sort of matchup, whether it's best of one or best of three, because frankly, if it wants to set Trick Room, it can do it, like no problem. And I think that any sort of mode or pair that has that ability is quite strong. Yeah, and those uh, psychic terrain expanding forces with helping hand, like unless yeah. you're dark, they're putting a dent in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool and all. But I think I think we need to give a shout out to the winner. Yes, yes, it is time. I think we have given sufficient enough time for people to click away and not listen. If they have not heard the news, which it must be impossible at this point when someone of this caliber and this magnitude wins a regional. But yes, the winning team piloted by none other than Wolf Glick the world champ difference running a parish song team or parish trap, I suppose with Screamtail, Amoongus, Arcanine, Alephin, Fluttermane, and Gothitelle. Tony, I have to give you mad credit for your call last episode when you said, you know, I think that there's going to be one parish trap team in the top eight, but it's going to be like the final boss. 
Maybe it comes in second, maybe it loses, but like I could see it doing very well. And you know what? It was the final boss. And unfortunately for Ashton Cox, his game was over in the finals as Wolf was able to look very dominant in his run in, in Top Cut. I don't think he dropped a single game until the finals. Is that true? Yeah, I yeah, think he, top cut. he went out yeah. of hair. Yeah. He was a monster. Like watching Wolf Glick play was like you you kind of, you always knew he was good and then it's like time to, when he busts out old reliable then it's like oh shit like this is why people started watching it and then you kind of remember like wolf glick is like one of those players where it's like a lot of people when you ask them how did you get started it's always like a wolfy video it's like i watched wolf play and then i really wanted to get into it and you know for a little bit i mean you know the streaming's been like kind of you know, streaming's hard, so you probably get run out of ideas and stuff. But I mean, for a little bit, it was like, oh, I'm going to watch James Bach or Cybertron a little bit more. And then you just watch them play this game, like this tournament. And it was just like, holy shit. Like, I forgot he was a monster. He's still a monster. Yeah, I think people forget how hard it is to win these events. So kind of look around like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he hasn't won one in a while. So he's still really good. It's just really hard. And he is still really good. Yeah, and for for many, apparently the the, the big storyline of it is that Wolf playing Paris Trap is a return to what they really were successful with early on. I personally was unaware of that. I started watching Wolf maybe like five or so years ago, so that was after you know his his real rise to to fame. So I hadn't seen much Paris Trap from him, and then it sort of wasn't around as much in. Uh, generation eight because of dynamax it sort of just obliterates your 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 trapper but uh for for some of the seasoned longtime vgc players and watchers it was apparently like a, a very very cool moment to be able to see see that return and also to face off against ashton cox in the finals with wolf piloting a paris trap team is something that's happened what it was like 10 years ago or something like that it was sort of like a return to to that you know that story which is also kind of neat yeah i think it was like 10 or 12 years ago i think that was like the battle that was like oh yeah it was the same exact thing it was like paris trap versus this and i i you know you know correct me if i'm wrong i think that's what it was though it was like it was wolf's paris trap team versus Ashton Cox using Wolf's old team, from what I understand. I don't know. I know that they were talking about, like, oh, yeah, uh, this is, like, the eighth time they battled in person, and Wolf won every battle in person, but Ashton Cox beat him online before. Yeah, it, it's, like, a whole thing. It's, like, you you could tell that they're both, like, old-school veterans, so it's, it was kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see, like, old rivalry come back up, and it's like, oh, shit, like, this is this finals? This is going to be good. And it was. It was it was fucking solid. Like, I think that was probably either that or Wolf versus Emilio Forbes. I, I think those were the best games. Like, hands down. Yeah, the Wolf games were just, like, I think he was on stream the first day, and I think he actually lost that one to Changjun, but his stream games and Top Cut were, like, unbelievable to watch. He was just piloting that team so well. It was absurd. And I think that the, the thing, too, about Paris Trap is it can look grim early on 
Like, I remember watching one, the first game of finals, and it felt like Ashton was making a ton of great reads. And I was like, okay, I guess this is, I guess this is kind of it. And boy, was I wrong. Because all it takes is good positioning, and you let the the turns go by, and it's like the, the longer it goes, the more dominant and threatening it feels, at least, the Paris Trap gets, because you start to be able to predict your opponent a little bit better. And then, okay, you set Paris song. Oh, you got, you got, you know, all the protects and all the fake outs going and you just can't attack. And of course with scream tail, just being as bulky as all get out, it just was not going down. And, you know, it had play rough, which was hitting well. And it was, it was a well-constructed team. I even in the post match interview, Wolf was talking about just how difficult, team is to pilot and to to move around with which i can only imagine because you have to know all of your all your calcs all of your positionings and everything so i'll be interested to see how how people how random people on the ladder start to to use that now yeah i think wolf called it as don't try this at home team afterwards which definitely i could see happening i mean that team it looks really fun it's definitely appealing anytime Wolf comes out with the team to try and find try and use it but that thing is going to be really difficult to pilot. Like if you go back and watch his matches and kind of play through them in yourself and say, all right, well, is this what I would have done? Here's what I would have done and watch what he does. I bet it's going to be completely different. That team is not easy to pilot. He said the margins are razor thin, which I could believe. Like you said, he must've really known all of his cups, known exactly what he could get away with. And if you are not the same way, that team is not going to be very easy to use at all. Yeah, no, Paris Trap is definitely one of those like, it looks and sounds easy. The reason why it's so annoying is because that person has grinded that team out and he knows exactly when to do what they need to do and lock you into the parish. And then after that, it's like, oh, well, now it's just protect, protect, you know, protect, fake out, switch, let something die to bring Gothitelle back in. You know, it's, it's a bunch. It's insane. But it's it's insanely hard. So it's not like, I know a bunch of people already try to pick it up. It's like, oh, let's try Paris Trap. It's like, no, it's not. It's not going to go that easy. Yeah, Parish is very difficult to play because I think it's it's one of those things that you just you have to know exactly what you're doing at all times. You got to be you know multiple steps ahead. So it's going to be for a lot of people their first time learning how to play it and how to play against it. So. We'll be sure to cover that later on. There were some additional fun storylines that were going on throughout the weekend. One of them, Emilio Goming, 10-0 for the second straight regional, which is extremely impressive to go undefeated in Swiss in back-to-back tournaments and to do so utilizing Glamora, which is really, really cool. I think they use a Glamora in their last event as well. It's become like their their signature their signature Pokemon, kind of like Gita, and very impressive for them. Another one is the predominantly singles player Frieza going nine and one in their first ever VGC event. They are piloting a team of they had Dondozo, Tatsugiri, Volcarona. Fluttermane, Annihilate, and Mousehold. They unfortunately weren't able to beat Jump Across in the first match. Um, that was quite the match because it was the Dondozo Mirror. 
And it really just came down to whoever got literally one knockout first was the winner because the Don Dozos were both the substitute variety, both had unaware. So it did not matter what was happening with their bulk ups or rather order ups. They just were not doing any damage and they ultimately just would call it after a bit because it wasn't going any, anywhere. And also, too, there were a there was a group of people known as the Lily Pad Boys that all showed up wearing chef hats. And one of them was even wearing a chef jacket. And they became the talk of the tournament for people there because they were cooking, apparently. They had a belly drum iron hands set with, I want to say, like, uh, Annihilate and maybe Mouse Hold or something like that. But everyone was talking about how they're like, oh, I don't want to face that. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound good because belly drum iron hands just i mean that's for that's for a seven star terra raid not just a regular level 50 pokemon without shields or anything um, so just like very very fun to sort of see that kind of stuff pop up on social media was there anything else that that you guys were aware of that you, know, you enjoyed watching or learning more about i got nothing but i'm thinking give me a second <laughs> i'm coming up with something i'm just like the only thing i'm thinking right now is a. Uh... There was no draft, and that made me sad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still sad. I thought there would at least be one. At least one in the top 32. Right? Yeah. It's like not that niche. It's definitely useful. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to stop priority, like, that's awesome. I mean, I guess that's what NDD does. And they're, the, you know, very similar mm-hmm. in that regard. But draft is cool. Yeah, but you can use your own priority with the draft. You can't right. with NDD. Right. And not only that, but I mean, who doesn't love giraffes? <laughs> very true. It's very true. But apparently, the top thirty-two. <laughs> right. Well, they're wrong. Um, they are wrong. I am being right. wrong. Let's talk about some over/unders. The predictions that we made last week. I just wanted to revisit them now that we do have the answers to where these played out. So. If you are just listening to this for the first time, we made some, or this, you know, this podcast for the first time, we made some predictions last episode about what we thought the meta was going to look like, the team compositions were going to look like going into the top eight for Orlando. Uh, we posted these questions to our Discord as well. So if you are interested in joining, we are at the Trainers School podcast on discord i always make sure to leave the discord link in the show notes so you can come join talk with people learn about the teams and team building do some tournaments and battles and whatnot and of course for these future regionals partake in the fun wholesome event of saying whether you think a number of pokemon or whatever will be over under a given amount. So for the first one, the number of Paradox Mons on the winning team, the line was set at 2.5. The number was two with Screamtail and Fluttermane being on the team. Both Sempra and Tony were correct at picking the under. I thought there was going to be also a bonus iron bundle. There was not. I took the over. I was wrong. Uh, For two on the final winning team, uh, was that what you guys were thinking as well? Because uh, you know, I wouldn't know. Will you? I think you you went under as well, right? 
Yeah, I went under, so I got that one right. Um, I I don't know. I didn't really have an exact like spread in mind. I was like half the team. I think it's going to be less than half. I think probably two, and then people are going to use a lot of what they're used to from Series One. For what it's worth, and I know that you know close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but there were three on the second place team with Buffon at Iron Hands and Roaring Moon. So. I was somewhat close. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just knew that it's impossible to win with three, and two is the real magic number. It's true. I mean, you're the first loser, right? Yeah, yeah, I get that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> number of Paris Trap teams in the top eight. The line was set at 1.5. The answer was one. The winning team was the Paris Trap team. Uh, Sempra took the over. Tony and I both took the under. I do have a note if someone calls us out on this. Carson Confer's Fluttermane did have Parasong, but there was no Gothitelle. Thus, it was not a Paris trap team because there was no trap. It was simply a win condition of Parasong on that team. So don't at me. I'm going to add with. I conferred with other people and they agreed. At I, least I'm going to at you. I'm going to be like, hey, this this had Paris song, <laughs> but you're trapped. In Please do. And me. do it publicly so I can respond with <laughs> Kiri. <laughs> uh, next one. Highest represented Paradox Mon in the top eight. It was Bundle, Hands, Roaring Moon, or The Field. Sempra Tony. And myself, we all chose Iron Hands because it was number one in the tournament. It surely was going to be the most represented in top eight. It was not. It was the field with Fluttermane being on four of the top eight teams. This one, I will say, a little surprising. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm yeah, surprised. Hands. So this surprised me. I mean, who doesn't like a fat set of hands, you know? But That's apparently... True. Everyone likes, you know, it's all about hair, not hands. Because mm-hmm. I think I think maybe the the move, you know, was Farah, Fairy Terra Fluttermane is just very, very strong. And it's like fast on its own, you know, so it's like it doesn't need speed control. Um, it's just one of those mods you can just pop onto a team and it does its role very well. Next is the number of Dondozo teams. This is the one where the line was way off. Uh, the line was set at 1.5. The answer was four. Sempra and myself both took the over. Tony took the under, thinking that there was only going to be one Dozo team. Um, but there were four in the top eight, which that actually does surprise me. I thought that it was going to be less of a threat, but it certainly was not. I mean, I, I guess the saying goes, you know, don't, you know, don't fix what's not broke. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised, but it's like, it's like, damn, we're going to see this thing for a while. And I know it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Certainly not going away anytime soon. Um, Speaking of not going away anytime soon, uh, the number of gold dango in the top eight, the line was at a 2.5. The answer was three. Semper took the under. Tony and I both took the over. Goldengo, another one, just, you know, spread damage with Make It Rain, Steel Terra, very, very strong. It was on the number seven, the number four, and the number two teams, all of which were also Dondozo teams, because I know some of the 
consideration when we were having these predictions was, could you have Dondozo teams and also Goldengo teams in the top eight? Um, well, it turns out you just mash them together and you have a pretty, pretty good core. Uh, next was how many weather setters in the top eight? The line was at a 2.5. The answer was two. Sempra and Tony both took the over. I took the under. And I took the under because I thought it was going to be, you know, one or two Pelipers or, you know, maybe a Torkoal in there or something like that. Uh, I was wrong. It was, well, I was right, but I was wrong. It was all Etar. I love Tyranitar, so I am very happy to see it uh, well represented here. Its bulk, its dark typing is fantastic. It looks like it does really well in this meta, in this Paradox meta. Is it still Terra Flying? Like, with the amount of Iron Hands running around, is it still Terra Flying, though? I, I, I don't know what they were running. I think that's what I was seeing the most of, yeah. Because, I mean, like... Hand still destroys it, right? Just wild charge into the terra flying, or so I'm kind of I'm pretty surprised that it's only Tyrantar made it. Like I'm not surprised of how good it is, but I'm surprised that it's the only one. Like I definitely would have thought Pelipper or even Torkoal would. I don't I don't even know if there's like that many people in general. No, there weren't, which is also kind of surprising. It's just. People are using, you know, booster energy as a way to get their past Paradox Mons really going. And, uh, of course, Conversion nowhere on here. Certainly not a surprise to anyone. And those I mean, were those. Yeah, those are all the all the predictions. Um, overall, I think, you know, if nothing else, the line was pretty good. So that was fun. I think that, you know, it'd be fun to do some more of these as we see this meta continue to develop. What were you going to say, Tony? Yeah, the only thing I'm thinking is like maybe because Torkoal would set off the other Paradox Moms also if they yeah. don't have a Torkoal. So I yeah. guess that's why. That could be. But, I mean, why not Pinkerton? You know, that that's like Trick Room God, right? It's like 15 speed. What? <laughs> Zingzap? Who doesn't want to who doesn't want to hit the 30% chance to get Zingzap flinch if it's still alive? No one. No one wants that. I am curious to see if someone will do well with the Pincursion team. I mean, it does It does make sense. You know, it overwrites this like a drain because it's going to be slower. It does get Sucker Punch, I think, if it's, you know, out of Trick Room. It powers up Iron Hands. I could see it. I, th I think that there is a world where Pincursion does well. So we'll see. All right. So last but certainly not least, we just wanted to do a little segment for how to beat Parish Trap because... When you have a person like WolfClick win a regional who has, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube and Twitter and you know, streaming viewers and whatnot, they're going to see this team and they're going to think, yeah, Wolf did it. I'm going to do it too. I can't tell you how many Paris Trap teams I've already seen. I played one game on Showdown today and it was this team specifically. So I figure at least for the next few weeks, it's probably going to be very present. So it is best, since this is the BGC Trainer School, to teach about how to beat Parish Trap. Now, um, for really good players, it's it's always going to be difficult to, to beat a, a good Parish Trap team. But so these are just some tips and tricks that you can utilize to stop the trap and not perish. So first and foremost, 
is to kill the trapper. If Parasong gets set, that's fine. You have multiple turns to be able to deal with it. And you can also switch out and it resets. So you have to kill the trapper first. So if Gothitel is there in the beginning, it's going to get the fake out. Um, if it's not and it's going to and it's going to be in the back, you know that it's going to be switching in. So then try and target that slot first. Because if you can kill that, the trap is gone. Doesn't matter if Parrish is up and you can kill the rest of the team because with a lot of these Parrish trap teams, they don't have as much like damage output. So you can kind of work your way around. I, I feel like there'll be a lot of faint running around now too, just to break protect. I could so see that. You, I could see that. Also, I would yeah. love to see more of uh like maybe this is Mubasta's time to shine with stakeout. You know, just like I, I'd love to see Mabastif or anyone with like jaw lock jaw, jaw lock, jaw lock. Yeah. Yeah. Jaw lock, like, yeah. Jaw lock onto a pair of strat team. I mean, you know, Gothitelle is not the only trapper, it's just the best one. Right. Uh Will, you want to take this this next one? Uh, the next one, so it's kind of niche, but if you're able to force Goth or the Trapper off the field, that works too. Um, things like Whirlwind or Roar or things like that, or Red Card, that also kind of gives you to turn to switch out your Parish Mons. Um, that's definitely a niche strategy. I have a feeling that's not the type of thing that we're going to see like cutting regionals, but if you're laddering, that's a cool little tech that you could throw on to kind of break through and catch your opponent off guard. Yeah, definitely, definitely more niche, but you're able to switch out even if the Gothitelle is switching in on that same turn. So it's like if you can force them out, you're able to, to switch off the field, even if they're coming back in because the trap doesn't go into effect until, I guess, that, that next turn, basically. Everything's like... Yeah, whirlwind. You also have like other cool effects, too. You can like switch out uh, trick room setters before they set trick room. True. I think it goes through protect, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's not affected by protect, too, which is also kind of cool. That is nice. I, I think you could roar or roll in yourself also. So that's always something. Like if you really need, you know, whatever's on the field out and you mm -hmm. just happen to have roar whirlwind, then you could always do it to yourself. So it's like, oh, well, I'm not completely stuck. And that is exactly what the next suggestion is as well. Switching moves like flip turn and bolt switch or parting shot or shed tail, something like that, where the effect of the shadow tag or the arena trap is not in effect because the effect of the move is to switch out. And a note here, of course, is if you're facing that double protect and they're expecting you to just stay in and die, you can bolt switch or flip turn yourself and you can still leave the field that way. That's nice for like iron hands. And I think Iron Treads gets Volt Switch too, but they're like weak special attackers. Yeah. So it's just nice. They're a nice little pivot. And then Palafin. Palafin's mm -hmm. always there. So you always gain from switching out Palafin, anyways. Definitely. Yeah. There's uh, not a ton of switchers like there used to be. I mean, since you don't have instance parting shot, right? There right. was a couple of electric types that you mentioned. Flip turn. You turned on a couple of random things like the Oscarada and Annihilate. Mm -hmm. But I haven't found as many switch options as I would like. Yeah. Nobody misses Incineroar, Will. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying it would save us right now. Incineroar is what we need here. No, we don't. We don't. That's what, that's what this whole spiel was to get around to. I get it. 
I'll ghost, be back. Ghost Terra Ensign. Um, ghost Terra, just parting shot Ensign. But and Tony, why does Ghost Terra or Ghost Types? Why is that good in the Terra Oh, so Ghost Types aren't affected by Shadow Tag, right? So that is the bonus. So like you could Terra Ghost, and then you could switch out on turn two. Um, no Ghost Type is affected. So if you have like Goldango, even even. Well, Goldango is a special case just as a whole. Why is that? Uh, good as gold is not affected. It makes it where Parish Song doesn't affect it. It's a field effect. Or it's not a field effect. It's a target effect of everyone on the field. It's really weird how to like... Wait, then why that. does Haze work? No, we're not doing this. No, we'll do this. Okay, so Haze is a field effect. It's a blanket effect, though. So instead of affecting it, just a certain mon it affects the whole field as a you know just as a whole uh where parish song targets everyone on the field including the user itself so it, it's really weird but like if you play like magic the gathering or if you play card games you'll understand the like blanket effects and stuff like that a little bit better that's the only way i could put two and two together and i was like oh that's that's dumb, but it, it would be the equivalent to terrain. Like terrain still works on Goldango, so Parish Song isn't a terrain, but Haze is kind of like a quick terrain. Right. This is making it more confusing. Shut up. <laughs> you brought terrain into it. <laughs> so yeah, because because gold good as gold is basically prevents you from being targeted by status moves, even those used by your ally. So Parish Song is. Part of that, where it is a targeted status move, so good as gold prevents it, which is really neat. The other benefit, of course, is that uh, with Goldango and Make It Rain, it is super effective into that screen tail. So unless, of course, it goes Terra Steel, which is most likely the case, it is able to get some super effective damage onto it. And uh, in addition to not being parasonged. So Goldango and Ghost Types, a very good option to just have on your team in general, but definitely for Terra's trap. Uh, just remember, this... if you do Terra Steel, you cannot, you can, you are still locked in because you're no longer a ghost type. Good to so know. You probably do not want to Terra Steel if you're a Bango. Good to know. Good point. Uh, so what about attacks or moves that can stop Parasol? Uh So there's two big ones. Taunt is an obvious one. Um, it's a status move. So if you taunt something before it gets off the Parasol, you won't be able to do it. Of course, they could be running Mental Herb, which makes a lot of sense for Spoontail in general because it's such a support-focused mod. Another option is Throat Chop. Throat Chop stops down-based moves, including Parasong. So if you can get Throat Chop off first, then it would be able to get Parasong off. It's worth pointing out, both of these moves can be learned by Incineroar, who, again, would be saving us from this Nobody misses Incineroar. Stop it now. I'm cutting all of this out. Every oh, instance of Incineroar, I'm removing. <laughs> they deserve to know the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. This but, Incineroar propaganda, I'm not letting it out. Yeah, no, no. The heathen. I give it two months till everyone misses him. I, I give it none. Um, I do have a question, though. I don't know if either one of you know this, right? Does So say you have, you know, Screamtail out, whatever, your parish setter, and you someone throat chops your parish setter would covert cloak stop the throat chop that is a good question 
I mean, like you, you would think that might that might be a thing now. You see too much throat chop, and a lot of dark, a lot of the dark types are running have throat chop right now. So it's like it's either crunch or throat chop. They don't really have much else for dark physical moves, anyways. Like there's no I more think dark. It does scenario. count. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, parish setters. You know. What are you doing? This is this is this is us trying to prevent people from losing. I'm just I'm just not saying. giving parish trap users more information. I'm just saying, playing devil's advocate. Nah, if right. you wanted to you're stop right. it, I mean, you know, it's just like saying mental herb could stop taunt, covert cloak could stop throat chop. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's good. So you need a Pokemon that can learn both throw chop and taunt, and ideally parting. Oh my shot. god! <laughs> and nobody misses Incineroar. That's, that's all we gotta say. As soon as it's released, I'm gonna put it on my team. Like I, I realize that's what's happening because that's that's the path that I'm on now, and I get that. But I'm gonna keep telling myself until it gets to that point that I'm not. That's what I know. You're you're desperate, and I'm here for you. If you ever. <laughs> Just need someone to talk you out of it. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, so yeah, so basically what it comes down to is with regards to Paris Trap, it's certainly not unbeatable. I mean, Wolf didn't go undefeated. You know, was like eight and two, I think, going into into top cut. Very, very good. I'm not taking anything away from him for sure, but just make sure to play around it. Be smart. Uh, don't let yourself get, get trapped as best as possible. Utilize those ghost types to take out the trapper as quickly as you can. And you know what? If you don't win, that's okay. I'm sure you're going to fight another one within a couple of minutes anyway. So uh, good luck to everyone out there. And congratulations, truly, to those that went to Orlando, um, played, had a good time, got some CP, got some you know recognition because... That was a grueling tournament. Uh, the last one that anyone will have to experience, hopefully. And moving forward, it's going to be maybe a little bit easier with that day two Swiss. So I'm certainly looking forward to that. But yeah, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. I think that's going to be the podcast. I, uh, I feel pretty good about it. What about you? Yeah, this was yeah. solid. Cool, cool. Yeah, I agree. Thanks awesome. For having... All right. Uh, well, of course... Uh, thank you all very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I mentioned earlier, come check out us on the Discord, and the link will, of course, be in the show notes. So yeah, if uh, for you know for this week, if you want to send us some fun, cool stuff that you heard about down at the Orlando Regional, please let us know. Uh, send it to us at trainersschoolpodcast at gmail.com or... Come check us out in the Discord and talk to us there. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, thank you all again very much. We certainly do appreciate it. I've been Jake. I've been Will. And Tony. Giraffe supremacy still reigns. Nobody misses Incineroar. You're not cutting that out. Fair enough. The meta misses Incineroar. That's who misses Incineroar right now. If you're not does. the meta, shut up. It probably <laughs> does. I, I think I've come around on the fact that Maybe Giraffe isn't great in Series 2. And, and you know, wow, this is good. the best you know closing ever. No, it's not. Now, <laughs> now I'm going to go cry. I, I have nothing else I can do. I, I'm just going to go cry about it. Well, good luck. Have fun. And okay. to you out there, good luck and have fun as well. 
class dismissed.